Hello and welcome to Gravitas Wins Conversations. I'm your host Joseph Jude. Today we are discussing one of the crucial aspect of wealth building, investing for the short term. My guest Reggie Thomas, until recently he was a senior vice president at Motilal Oswal Financial Services. Recently he has started his own private investment advisory. In today's discussion, we cover strategy, pitfalls to avoid, and actionable insights for you to help build this wealth. Before we jump in, a quick request. Remember to hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and share this episode with fellow business leaders. Hello Reggie, welcome to the conversation. Hi Joseph, hi. Thanks for having me today. Reggie, let's start with this. Can you explain the concept of short-term investing and how short is that short? Is it time-based, amount of money needed? Can you walk us through? I think a short answer befits short-term investing. <laughs> so, you know, actually that term, Joseph, that you just used is actually oxymoronic. Now, mm -hmm. investing itself means over a longer term. And when you put the word short-term along with it, it becomes a combination of opposites, right? Today, however, you know, the world looks at short-term as short-term meaning from a couple of hours to maybe a week or maybe a month, that is short-term. There is also ultra-short-term, which means that you, you make a transaction for within a day. So within a, a you know, within a, within a working day. So you, you buy something at about 11.30, you, you exit that position because it has yielded and price appreciation and you get out. That's ultra short-term business. So today's short-term ranges between, let's say, a week, a month to about ultra short-term, which is a couple of minutes to a couple of few hours. And technically, short-term investing, as we all like to use it, is oxymoronic. So be very careful when you use it. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks for that clarification, Reggie. I understand what you're talking about. The audience for our this particular podcast is IT executives. Right. And and they are not traders. They are not, you know, on that particular aspect of it. So what I'm looking at is, let's say, for example, I get a bonus. Yes. And I need that money at, at, at some point in time. I mean, a couple of months later. Yes. But within that month, can I put that to productive use? Perfect. Right. So. So that's what I'm looking at. That's what right. I'm talking so, about. And again, you know, I mean, the terms might be a little different. I mean, please correct I me, whatever, whatever terms, but that's what I'm looking at. No, I, 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 actually, Joseph, you're not the only one in the world who have heard using this term. This is common, even, even for experienced seasoned traders, people use this term. Now, to answer your question more specifically, somebody receives a bonus. I don't need that money for, for, a, for a length of time. So I'm willing to deploy it somewhere. Yeah, there are strategies that are available. Like, for instance, you can look at ultra short-term mutual fund investments. You could look at specific stocks that we believe are likely to rise in the near term owing to the, uh, you know, the, the, the weightage on the economy or the propulsion that they give, the momentum that they offer to the economy. And therefore, those are possible short-term plays that people can actually look at. Yeah, so from your standpoint of view, I think these would be the two other alternatives to putting that bonus into a fixed deposit that people can actually look at in the short term, yes. Okay, so let's talk about some of the avenues. You already touched upon FD. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the first thing is put it in the bank and forget about yes. it. Yes, yes. Okay? Yes. Then you touched upon FD. Yes. You touched upon EMF, mutual yes. funds. 
yes and then some specific stocks right okay, right. okay. are these the avenues can you compare them with for a, for oh, the yeah. short term fund that i have yeah. uh, can yeah. you compare them and then say okay you know at what point should i do what perfect okay now we call this a ladder of risk so this will put a lot of perspective into people that are trying to listen right the higher you go up to the ladder the harder you fall so mm-hmm. you know if mm-hmm. if you get that concept into your head it's very easy to understand from where i'm coming in right so which means the best returns which means the highest point in the ladder also offers you the best returns but it also increases your risk which means your height from the ground is going high so you fall you could hurt yourself harder now when you when you consider that picture and then you you know sort of superimpose your thoughts onto that you will find that at the lowest rung of the ladder you have fixed a deposit so that is mm-hmm. no risk and mm-hmm. all of us know that we believe the banks are safe so you earn maybe 5 6% almost zero risk unless the bank goes bust you know there is technically no risk in that right so that is the lowest level you move one level higher you have mutual funds now why do we talk about mutual funds because you know it professionals or people involved in other businesses do not have the expertise do not have the time to build the skill sets or to analyze something that they would want to put in so they bet on the expertise of the fund manager put it up you know help the fund manager manage that money let him do what he has to do it's probably 3 4 rungs higher than the fd so your your returns get substantially better you could average about 8 to 12 maybe 12 to 15% in a year if you stay that long but obviously the risks are also going to be higher because you're going to be investing that into market related investments which means stocks the third level on the risk ladder is the highest okay where you go into stocks directly so you you pick up now for instance we probably understand that ai is going to be the future we are already into that into that mode so we understand the importance of ai investment so we look at stocks that are dealing with ai for instance if chat gpt were listed today for instance if there are other ai offerings that were listed that we could put our money into we get into those stocks because we know that they are going to be the future there is going to be a price appreciation electric vehicles for instance we know that the demand for evs are actually growing so we we you know look at that for a short term you know look for short term price appreciation put it into that go the the downside here is that now we've gone up the ladder our risk levels are also high and why do i say risk because if the perception with which we are investing does not really translate over that short term either your money could just stay where it was at that investment level it could even sink a little lower if the economic conditions change so i think this is probably the ladder of risk and its balances with its returns when you look at short term investing per se Uh, that's a fantastic uh, metaphor uh, reji now when we are looking at this ladder of risk and what are the yeah. investments instruments that you are talking about for the short term again investments what should we look to optimize liquidity returns preserving the capital and is it possible to balance all of them <laughs> when you say investing i i'd like to draw a parallel to the agrarian system you know this is like farming so when you say i'm a farmer right there is no farmer that that sorts of plants his crop at 6 in the morning expects to harvest it by 12 and then have his lunch with that crop by noon so that doesn't happen so what is it that plays here understand the most important thing that all of us need to comprehend is the concept of time you know time is what causes appreciation if you put your money or if you you know sort of sow your seed into fertile ground you water it you care for the weeds in due course with the monsoons coming in you will have a decent harvest to do so keeping this in mind look at stock investing 
you put your money into a stock you know you need to give it time to grow so if you're looking at time to grow i think the best the closest that i can draw for a short term is a period of about 90 days joseph i think okay. one quarter to another why do i say a quarter because companies come up declaring their financial results once every quarter so you have four quarters in a year so once you do that you pick up a stock so one is the most important concept of time which has to be defined which is 90 days the third the second thing that you look at is the quality and the nature of the stock or the investment that you make fds and mfs are no brainers but when you're looking at stocks yes either it's got to be evs maybe it's going to look at ai related stocks maybe something that for instance crude today is hot because of the war and supply constraints that saudi arabia has come up with so you could look at crude refining stocks for the short term so these are possibilities that can work three when you're looking at such 90 day periods for investment is also important to understand that something that is of mass demand for mm. instance crude is something that we cannot live without right crude is something that all of us need whether it is to move cargo ships whether it is to move our vehicles you need it electricity generation we can't live without power even this podcast is being powered because of that you can't live without your internet you can't live without your you know stuff like that so something that affects the mass in a huge number definitely a good stock to buy for the 90 day term so that sort of brings down your risk risk perception when you actually put in so it it requires time it, it you know time is your first thing second is the quantum that you want to invest in terms of what the stock should be and three deciding that these are probably low risk investments that you can probably so that would be the order in which i would you know um, uh, want people to look at it although joseph let me also add a statutory warning here in today's world when you come to investing price becomes the most definitive term that people use people like to buy you know you tell them a stock is worth 1200 rupees it's probably worth that much but they say no show me something at about 150 bucks see if this will go to 5000 in 3 months so that's going to happen there is no harvest that gives you such a bumper crop ever right so <laughs> you you talked about the 90 days with the, uh, the different yeah. instruments and all of those kinds of stuff when to exit this short term investment so say for example 90 days is over i am out or do i look at some kind of a profit margin and then say okay, okay. i have reached 10 percentage 20 percentage then i exit how Perfect. do i okay. look at that again we go back to our ladders of risk that's why i always go back to the basics you know if you're rooted strongly this is easy to answer the lowest risk on an instrument is probably the fd i think we went through mm-hmm. that or a savings bank account in india that account offers about maybe 7 and 8% depending on senior citizenship junior citizenship mm-hmm. whatever but i think 8% now 8% over a 12 year term that's mm. that's what you want to get right which means when you look at a 90 day period anything that earns over 8% is fantastic right is fantastic true, true, true. because you're talking about a quarter so let's say you earn for me even if i look at a 5% growth in a 90 day time frame you take that for a year it's about 20% and mm. that's more than 12% higher than your lowest risk yielding product that you have so a consider the time b look at anything even beyond 5% in a 90 day time frame to be a fantastic return but again mm. like i like i said in the previous answer you know greed is something that drives all of us and greed is good if you if you probably maintain that greed within limits anything within limits is good greed is good so when you wake, when you get 5% most of us don't want to get out we want to run that extra mm. you know 1% higher maybe 2% higher. and that is what draws us into that risk sometimes when the markets turn contentment does not hit us and we end up making a loss if we let that greed run out of hand 
But mm. anything above five percent in three day, in three months, fantastic. <clears throat> If greed is not there, you and I will be out of business. <laughs> so <laughs> it's good that people are greedy. Yes, you should be greedy. Absolutely, yes, yes. Uh, Richie, what's the play of fees and brokerage fees in in that returns that you are talking about? When you are talking about five percentage, what's 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 the impact? Okay, okay. Now you know in India, Joseph. I mean, uh, we would discuss the US if you want to discuss the international markets. Well, that's a different ball out there. But if you are looking at India per se for an investment, you know, you you divide your brokerage houses into two parts, right? One are fintech companies that. that offer execution mm. capabilities now we are talking about these companies that don't offer anything else they just give you a platform they just give you like riverside fm for instance we give you a platform you want to come register do a podcast go away perfect there are platforms like that which charge very low brokerages okay or very low fees mm. then there are full service brokers you know that that charge you a percentage of the volume of the business that you're doing with them so there are two ways to look at it right Mm. now the full service guys are you know technically offer you research capability they might offer you somebody who you want to talk to maybe a relationship manager somebody you want to speak to for advice they send you research reports all of that free of cost whatever the execution only guys just a platform so you got to know what to do you got to learn what you're doing you got to look at some source to get your information and then do what you have to because they're not going to offer you research and if you call them they're going to charge you for it so mm. that's an execution so the execution guys are cheap if you know what you're doing it, it's mm. very very low cost if you don't know what you're doing and you still need advice a full service guy is better okay and that you know the full service guys normally charge between let's say about 0.2 to 0.3% of the total volume of business that you're doing and that's probably the average so if you're doing about 100 rupees worth it will cost you about you know 0.2% of that to work with yeah <clears throat> okay good uh where do you the the advisory firms like you where do yeah. you come in what's the play that you have and okay. how can you help some of the listeners okay now advisors like us though that's a term that's you know becoming very difficult in india right now because fin influencers as we are called are a very dangerous breed today because there are guys like like in every business joseph you probably understand this better there are guys who misuse everything now blockchain hmm. is good but using blockchain for the wrong through crypto and you know running a scam out of that is totally wrong so you know you have the good and the bad in both sides so in our business we do that as well you know there are fin influencers who accused of front running you know all this kind but in our kind of business i think one of the first things is for clients who have been with us for for over you know a long time some of them have been with us for almost two and a half decades plus right now these are customers who rely on our advice they don't go anywhere else they have seen the benefits of having invested with us they have grown their financial investments over the last so many years we have done much for them for their children now for the third generation investment this is one breed that we do so these guys stay with us for a very long time and they stick to us for advice the second kind are the people who are probably abroad and overseas mm. right um, nris for instance now uh, the the tax regime in this country changes so dynamically you know you have the new scheme you have the old scheme you have this scheme so everybody is lost even the accountants are lost even we are lost everybody is lost for some so they need a lot of investment advice that comes in and the returns here are far superior to what probably any other country in the world can offer so they come back so mm. we have nri people based abroad who can come back and invest the third are the neo investors that we are looking at we are looking post pandemic we have that sudden surge 
from the younger generation, the 20-something, which is the average age, 26, or so is the average age of the investor coming in. 30 years ago, when I got into this line, Joseph, the average age would have been 44 or 42. Yeah. Today, 26, almost half of that. Now, these guys uh, like to listen to your advice, but they're very conscious about the cost. Mm. So they go to an execution-only platform. They don't like us. We help them open the accounts because I go to schools, I go to colleges and do literacy programs. So right from MBA classes, right from graduate programs to IT companies, we do these on a frequent basis. Financial education, as we call it. So they listen to us. They open an account or they go on online and open an account today and then use their contemporary peer groups to decide mm. on what investment is good and bad. They don't go back to anybody for advice because advice in today's world is a bad word. Nobody mm. likes advice. Mm. If I tell you, Joseph, let me give you a bit of advice, you're probably going to shut me down from this from this podcast, right? So we don't like the word advice. This generation doesn't like that term. So we got to call it something else. And this guy says, no, I'd rather listen to my friend. I listen to my peer. And we have enough instances of that where guys have done it. And then come back to us, Joseph, for, for actually doing what they have to do. But that's a learning curve. So we fit into that, which are, you know, we sort of put the execution capability into the hand of the investor. But we offer the advice on what he needs to execute and transact his money with. And that is where we try to bridge it. And trust me, that universe is growing in a big way in this mm. country. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. You touched upon the tax regimes yeah. that is changing all the time. So yeah. <clears throat> I know it's, it's, it, it changes all the time. I mean, you yeah. have already said yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but how can we be tax efficient when we are talking about these investments? Yeah, um, again, oxymoron. <laughs> tax and efficiency don't go together. <laughs> efficient for the government, inefficient for us, right? All right, now uh, let's look at it this way. When you, since the topic of today's podcast is short term, Joseph, right? Yeah. There is no efficiency attached to, to short term taxation in this country, at least in mm. India. Mm. Every short term, when I say short term, it means anything, any transaction, profit or loss done within a period of 365 days has got no tax efficiency attached to it. So you mm. are going to be taxable at mm. the slab that, that you're probably paying your taxes at. So you have various slabs, old scheme slabs are different, new scheme slabs are different. And then these come under the purview of short-term gains or losses, mm. as the case may be, right? So whether it is a 100 rupee gain you make or a lack of rupees that you make in a short-term cumulative for the year, you're going to be taxed and there is no way you can efficiently manage that. You have to pay your taxes on that, irrespective of what comes in the short-term. Long-term play is different, right? Yes. So for yes. the short-term, tax efficiency does not work at all. You have to pay. <laughs> okay. Diversification is one thing that comes in all the yeah, time about yeah. investments. Right. Is it applicable in the short-term investment? Do we yes. diversify? Like like some of the instruments that you talked about, some bit on maybe FD, some bit on savings. So do we diversify for short-term or what, what would your advice be? Now, the, the concept of short-term, Joseph, is that people look at it more as a lottery. You know, you know they, they say, look, let me, let me, Okay, Reggie is telling me this today. Let's go pick, let's go scratch the surface of this stock, see if there is luck written inside that, and I'm probably going to make money. So most of our investors, or any investor for that matter, initially starts out short-term as a lottery. But yes, diversification would be the best thing at any stage, whether it is short-term, medium-term, long-term, it doesn't matter, but I think you ought to diversify. That's a simple lesson I think we derive from life. It's like driving a car. 
you know. Mm. You don't drive at the same speed all all the time, right? You have highways that can take you at 120. You have city roads where you can't go beyond 25. So you have to learn multiple skills to drive. And you, know, you have noise that's coming in in terms of two-wheelers and, you know, interference that comes. The same thing happens with investment, right? So if you if you got, let's say, you know, X amount of money that you want to look at for the short term, you can look at, you know, maybe 30 to 40% of that for the short term, but 60% of it diversified into medium term. I'm not saying go long term, but into medium term, which means you can probably stretch that into the six month or the nine month period rather than putting everything into the three month period like a lottery. And that will give you diversification. Yes, some of it you must set apart for that term, some of it for this term. That becomes more efficient. Like we always say, don't put all your eggs into one basket. Applies here as well. Okay, <clears> wonderful. <throat> you have been in this business for like I mean, more than two decades. What are the common mistakes that you you have seen people do? Uh, one of the most common things that I find is to go with the noise in the market. I think this is mm. primary. You know, the media today is is uh, I'm not against the media. We need the media. We are in the media business as well. So <laughs> so we need the media, but. Media does a lot of things for eyeballs, right? Mm. For mm. instance, for instance, right? Now, there was an article which came about recently about somebody who was trading on the Bombay Stock Exchange, on, on the BSE Sensex Futures. We call that a fat finger error, you know, a fat finger error. A fat finger error is where he adds a couple of zeros more than the number of you know trades or the volume of the trade that he wants to do. The guy caused an abnormal movement in the price of a particular instrument, and the loss that accrued to him out of that was 78 lakhs. And this was over in a matter of minutes. Okay, this happened last Friday. You, you could actually verify. We call this the fat finger error. Now, when somebody reads this, okay, that guy who created the error lost 78 lakhs. Mm. But somebody has obviously made that 78 lakhs because in the end of the day, this is zero sum. Mm. 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 Somebody's loss that's coming to me because I'm buying and selling with somebody, not with the exchange. Mm. And mm-hmm. through the exchange, because they're the mm-hmm. facilitator, but there has to be a Joseph buying for a Reggie to sell, and there has to be mm-hmm. a Reggie buying for a Joseph to sell. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's an exchange process. So somebody mm-hmm. has made that 78 lakhs, or there are mm-hmm. people who made 78 lakhs. Now, this is going to tickle people's minds. They say, good, now this is like damn good. So let's get back into that business. Okay. So the media puts this out, and then, you know, it's it's a warning technically, but we still get into that. The second thing, of course, is listening to too much of noise outside. You know, they're... they're there are there are uh, news items of people who come up and say a particular stock which is not worth even ten rupees till a few months ago suddenly moved to forty rupees. Mm. Now, now that's we call it a penny stock, and when a penny stock begins to move without reason, it's probably you know much more than what you can probably rationalize. So people run behind that because it's been a fanciful mover. You know, it mm. suddenly gained by you know thirty forty rupees in a short time. So let's go chase that stock. So you're not you you're going to throw advice to the wind. You're not looking at any research here. You're not looking at the company's strength, but you're just looking at the lottery to make your money. Quick in, quick out, because everything is instant. We want instant coffee, instant profit, instant noodles, everything is instant. So, you know, so that is the second, listening to noise. The third, of course, is not making a clear plan on how much you want to look at for the short term, how much for the long term. Mm. I'm not against short term. I enjoy short term trading because there are bouts because I like to drive and 
You know, there are stretches that I really like to push the vehicle that I drive. Every, all of us do that. There's nothing wrong with it. But for a limited time, you can't drive at 120 all your life, right? Even race drivers don't do that, except for, mm. the, for the time they're racing on the track. So it's like that, right? You know, if you clear about your plan and say, look, I have X amount of money this year. I'm going to invest this much. Oh, you know, you have a plan with it. 20, 30% of it goes to short term. I race, I crash, I make a loss. These things happen. But the 70% of it, I need to set aside. Now, that is investing. Mm. I don't clearly demarcate this. I say I'm all in. No, it's like it's like playing at the casino. I'm all in. No, it's mm. like a game of poker. I'm all in. Mm. So you push everything in. If the cards turn the other way or somebody has got a running flash on the other side, your chips are gone and you're going to drain. So not mm. having a clear financial plan is the third biggest risk that I see. And that is where most of us start. You know, we, we want to make 2 lakhs into 20 lakhs. It can happen. It will happen. But like the agricultural example, you need to give it time to work. If you're going to go by the fat finger example, you could lose your house in the process. So if you don't know how to manage your money and think that this is a quick way to make it, well, that's a challenge. So I think three biggest risks in that order. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Riji. You already talked about some of the emerging trends. Yes. Yes. EV and yeah. you know AI, AI and everything yeah. Yeah. And, and all of those kinds of stuff yeah. are there any other emerging trends that you are tracking especially with respect to India say for example yeah. defense healthcare are you, are you tracking any of these things you know the the day we landed Chandrayaan 3 you know and we got into the lunar orbit and you know the the rover actually rolled out on that particular day Joseph you, you can look this out the stocks that were associated with that lunar landing you know, mm. companies that were associated with, there were about eight, ten stocks that are listed. There are a lot of them that are unlisted, you know, that, that are not traded on the markets today. Those stocks for the next few days actually went up by about, let's say, more than 20%. Mm. Okay, now we are going to the sun. Now we are going <laughs> to the sun, right? We're not going to land on the sun. We're going to be in a perigee position from the sun. But suddenly space exploration is becoming very important for India. And mm. we are making a lot of that stuff within the country, and that's fantastic. But however, a lot of those companies are not listed in the markets today, right? But I will still believe that space exploration is going to be, you know, something that, that we can look at. But you need patience to deal with it because it takes 154 days to reach the you know, solar, that perigee position. It takes about 80, 90 days to reach the moon. So even that takes that long. So if you're asking me about short term, even that is 90 days. So incidentally, right? So this is one area that we look at. The second, like perfectly mentioned, defense. Perfectly mm. right, right? Uh, we are now in a position where we've moved from defense imports to defense exports, right? There are a lot of countries buying stuff from us, whether it's guns or missile tips or whatever. So that's going to be something in a big way. The third, of course, is is telecommunication and everything to do with it. Mm. Whether it's data through mobile phone, whether it's 5G tech, whether it is whatever. You know, I think this is going to be something that's a game changer because everything about us today is dependent on that technology bit. You know, you pay your money using technology, you make your call using technology, you you know, you transact using technology, you order food using technology, so and you're entertained with technology. So that process of convergence becomes very important. And companies involved with with that are, are technically going to do very well. It's a it's a fantastic trend. Uh, now convergence with mobility is mm-hmm. going to be the next area that I think people should look at. We are still a long way from there. Yeah. But that is definitely a trend. And of course, there are some ground rules that you can always invest into. Healthcare, for instance. Mm. 
a population of 1.34, 1.4 billion or more, we're definitely going to have healthcare challenges, right? Mm. So healthcare is going to be big in this country. Longevity improves, geriatric care. So, you know, there are there are housing guys who are getting into building geriatric you know, complexes, you know, for people, for, for retired people to actually go and live where children are outside, nobody can manage them. So that that is again going to be a trend that's that's picking up. So healthcare is going to be evergreen. And for such a huge country, Joseph, retail is a blind investment. Mm. Retailing, you know, anything to do with retailing, whether it's food retailing, whether it's clothes retailing, whether it's jewelry retailing, you know, I, I think we just keep consuming. Uh, the consumption thirst or hunger for a 1.43 billion and growing population is never going to end. So those are growing trends, emerging trends. These are forever emerging trends. So mm. you, you just have to mix and match these. So mix healthcare, retail, communication, defense, you know, and, and stuff like that, uh, certainly yes. Lovely, lovely. Finally, Reggie, this particular financial market is always changing, as, as you said, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, ever emerging. Yeah. How how can we yeah. stay informed and adapt this our strategy investment strategy accordingly? I think you need to do more podcasts like this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was a quick one. Anyway, it was off the cuff. But I think uh, staying abreast, even for people like us, you know, it's it's a huge challenge even for guys in the business. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one of the reasons I moved away from core mechanical engineering into financial engineering. Was because of the of the of the dynamic nature of the business that offers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what was yesterday is not what it is today, and will not be tomorrow because something or the other changes. There are geopolitical tensions. There are you know G twenty meets. There is somebody going to the moon. There is an earthquake uh, in some part of the world. There is mm-hmm. a drought. You have El Nino. You have a million things. Happen. And every single incident, you know, whether we like it or not impacts financial markets today whether it is a grain market whether it's the energy market whether it is you know the share market whether it's a currency and commodity market or whatever but the impact of any global event is concurrent and happening as we speak even right now so there is no one way in which we keep abreast of everything but i think getting yourself or you know every investor must have a fallback advisor that he should have and i believe so Somebody that he can trust in, not just somebody who gives him tips, okay? Not somebody who sends him SMS and says, buy the stock, you make a million bucks. That's not the kind. A guy you can turn to for advice and say, look, what's the outlook looking like? What are the macro trends today? What are the, you know, micro trends today? You know, what are the changes that are happening that can impact for maybe the next 90 days? Broadly, on a, on a larger scale, on a, on a broader canvas with a bigger brush, if you have somebody like that can advise you, that's the best way. Well, journals and magazines provide you that information, but don't ever listen to the television channels for financial investing. It's a perfect bad recipe for disaster. You know, I say this because they tell you what has happened, right? Absolutely. They don't tell you what is happening. They don't pass on a lot of their insight and outlook into what they're doing, right? They don't give you a perspective of what could happen in the next 90 days. They tell you yesterday, this happened, that stock fell, this went up. But they're not going to tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. You need to get all of a trusted relationship manager, bar advisor, somebody. The best, of course, Joseph, managing money is everybody's business. You know, yeah. uh, what I say is going, to, is going to be to the dislike of many financial advisors. But I think there is nothing very complex about it. 
right? There's nothing very complex. It's one of the most simplest things in the world. Just that we put terms into it and make it, you know, look like it's some rocket science. You know, it's not like that. I think all of us need, and I think as a as an education process, the change has to happen from that level. Mm-hmm. You know, life skills. It's like swimming. You know, you like how you need to swim, like how you learn to drive. Learning to manage money should be inculcated from very young age because if that happens, as you grow, you just grow into it by yourself. You know, nobody you know teaches us. You know, if you learn to swim, you, you can probably swim anywhere. You'll survive. And you'll know probably things that you need to watch and look for. So either you get a relationship advisor that you can trust and probably create a change in the ecosystem at large where we start educating and inculcating financial skills so that as they grow, the interest towards keeping that on the top of the game, to be at the top of the game, always grows with them naturally. <clears throat> I ask uh, three rapid-fire questions to all my guests. Sure. <clears throat> sure. The first one, what is the kindest thing anyone has done for you? Probably taught me what I knew today. This podcast is about leadership. Yes. In that sense, can you please share what you think is the best leadership quality and who has manifested in your life? Well, I've had uh, uh, two fantastic bosses. I've, I've lived with two fantastic bosses. And uh, fortunately for me, both of them shared the same birthday. Now, that's a very unique uh, thing. Yes. Now, on, on this, and it, it is also coincides with my dad's birthday, the 7th of July. Um, uh, the first guy taught me, the first leader that I worked with abroad, taught me the importance of what a team should be like. You know, how a team should be forged and built. I was much younger, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, much younger in a foreign land, but I think he took me under the wings. He was a Singaporean, taught me the way a team should be built. You know, so forging a team, making a great leader, learning it on the ground in the financial business is something that's it's very difficult. People don't share secrets very easily. The second leader that I worked with was back home in India. I served with that company for about 17 years. He gave me the latitude. You know, he trusted my decisions. He was, you know, looking at me with a microscope when I joined. But over the years, the first three, four years were like that. But after that, gave me the latitude to experiment and expand. I think today... If we are what we are today, it was a combination of those three skills as leaders that put me into where I am today. And trust me, Joseph, what I have learned from them is what helped me build a team that has stayed with me for the last 20 years. Okay, I have not changed this team ever. People have come and gone, but the core team of it, I think about 15 of us, have stayed together for the last 20 years. Evolved from the learning that I took back from those two leaders who I had Fortunately, at the start of my career. Finally, Reji, what's your definition of living a good life? Happy, I think family matters the most. I think you have a good supportive family. Uh, that's point number one. Living a good life is not just about money, but it's it's being comfortable and learning how to use that money to give you the goodness that you want. Right? I, I think that's more important. You Money is an important and integral part of life. So since we're doing a podcast on money management and you ask me, you know, what is leaving a good life? I think that is more important. If you're able to provide for your family, if you're able to invest, bring about returns that help you and your family be more comfortable with what you have. I'm not saying don't aspire. You must aspire. But if you're able to provide for that and be content, 
you know, be, you know, coming from a financial advisor, contentment. Like I said, I started with greed. I'm ending with contentment. But I think you need to find there. There again, opposites. But you still need to find contentment within that greed. And if you're able to balance that out, Joseph, I think you you've got the best of your life ahead. Reji, <clears throat> thank you so much. That's a fantastic, fine place to uh, end this particular conversation. We started Perfect. with greed. Yeah, ended with contentment. With contentment. Yeah. Wonderful. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Can I request you to share the key takeaways from our conversation? If you like the conversation, please share it with others. Have a life of wins. Thanks.